So I want to continue the theme from two weeks ago, which is the theme of taking our relationships as practice, as spiritual practice. And by relationships, I'm meaning relationships in general, really any way of relating. You know, and here we'll focus on human beings, but it actually is really relating to any being whatsoever. Um, And having that be seen more and more as a focused way of practice that can have the, some of the same qualities of depth and potential for freedom, for insight that we have with our sitting meditation, the practice that's more done in solitude. And so I want to uh, continue with that theme, uh, which I introduced two weeks ago, and some of us uh, explored in terms of daily life practice. How many people um, somewhat actively explored that theme in the last two weeks? So, so some, some of the group. So hopefully I'll introduce again and others will actively explore it in the next week, <laughs> whether a whore choose not to. So, uh, so I think what I'll do is I'll take maybe about 10 minutes or so and review some of what I explored uh, two weeks ago and then, and then uh, bring in some new material. Try to finish by maybe about uh, 10.30 so that we can do some very brief exercises together and then come back for discussion together. That's my, that's my hope. So I talked last time about how in some ways the whole intention of focusing on relationships as practice is something that is relatively new. It's certainly in the Western reception of meditation and particularly of Buddhism. And certainly, I think, uh, at Spirit Rock, that what we do. And in some ways, it's... Uh, in some ways, it's new in the context of Buddhist tradition. And last time I talked about how, in many ways, we've tended to interpret, uh, pe- those of us who have uh, worked with Buddhist tradition, tended to interpret Buddhist tradition particularly as the cultivation of inner awareness, as the development of more inner qualities, and the focus has been particularly on meditation. And this has its very good reasons and has its tremendous value, we could say that in many ways the inner dimension of Western culture has been lost or marginalized in the last four or five hundred years, that, the, that Western contemplative traditions, particularly in uh, Christianity and Judaism, have been much less central than they, they were uh, five, six hundred years ago. And actually, I think from, from looking at the history, the changes actually started about eleven or twelve hundred <laughs> So they've been they've been going for a long time. That there was a, a, you know, at that time, the meditative and contemplative approach was really close to the center of Christianity and Judaism. So if you went to a church or synagogue, you would get a lot of that, and that's been gradually uh, uh, shifted, you know, for a lot of reasons, for a lot, you know, all sorts of reasons, and partly in the, due to the fact that in our culture, our attention has for several hundred years generally been quite uh, external, you know, with the development of science and technology and just this tremendous attention to the outward world. So our conditioning tends to be, even now, focused very much on the outer. 
and that, you know, that of course has its uh, virtues and its potential for uh, discoveries and insight, but it can be, it can be imbalanced. And so in many ways, the discovery, uh, re- or rediscovery of meditation, and last time I linked that with a lot of the, almost the psychological explorations of the last hundred years, that there's been almost like a rediscovery of the inner dimension and its importance. And meditation has been a main way of cultivating that and been very, very crucial to have, to let us actually explore in some depth this, um, this inner nature, you know, this, this, uh, mm, this, this important dimension. And really, in most spiritual traditions, it's taken to be one of the main avenues for, for really finding the sacred, for finding in Christian or Jewish traditions, for connecting with God and so forth. And so it's crucial. It's crucial that this has happened. And yet, in some ways, it's been... Uh, we've, we've taken on Buddhism in a somewhat imbalanced way. I mentioned how uh, Gary Snyder, the poet and environmentalist, has talked about how uh, we've taken, when looking at what are some traditionally called the three jewels, the uh, triratna of Buddhism, the, the Buddha, the figure of the Buddha, the potential for individual awakening, Dharma, the teachings, and Sangha, the community, he says, we're light on sangha. We're light. We're light on the community. It's tended to be more of a focus on on meditation and focusing more on the Buddha and the Dharma. And so there's, I believe, this tremendous need, and it it really is in some ways uh, needed because for almost all of us, most of our lives are in relationship. Very very few of us are monks or nuns. I see none in this hall. <laughs> and, uh, and so how do we uh, both use these beautiful teachings and practices of meditation, but how do we find this really work for our lives? I, I believe that we have to really focus on this sense of, uh, of developing this sense of relational practices. And I, I believe that it actually can be done in a way where some of us might not only meditate every day, but we might do a relational practice with a friend, a partner, a colleague. Uh, we might sit half an hour every day in a dyad together and basically cultivate that relational awareness. I believe that maybe in 20 years we'll be doing that. Uh, because I think we need the skills, the abilities that are cultivated in that to really bring this sense of openness, mindfulness, awareness, wisdom into our, into our daily lives. And I also believe that some of this training is actually quite crucial for this, this uh, response to the larger social conditions that, that uh, many of us feel, that was expressed some in the, in the, uh, in, in the uh, sharing at the end of the sitting. <clears throat> that that uh, taking relationship as practice more rigorously helps us to find out how to do that better in our families, in our groups, in our organizations, in our communities, and also in the larger society. So that's the can be kind of the horizon. And we find this we find this in Buddhist tradition. We find that emphasis. And last time I I loved uh, being able to read one of the passages which pointed to uh, this uh, highly developed arhat named Anuruddha, who. Uh, 
lived in a small community with several other monks, and a Buddha came to visit him, and I quoted it last, last time, where Anuruddha uh, was asked, basically, how are you doing? And he basically said, we're doing fine. <laughs> and he talked about how he had, although there were separate bodies, there was a kind of a sharing of a mind together with his colleagues. And they said they called each other each by the same name. They, they each called themselves Anuruddha. <laughs> and, they, and, and Anuruddha talked about this. He talked about how even though there were separate bodies, there was something about the state of mind and heart that was uh, connected. And that's how they lived. And they lived Because the, the Buddha first asked them, how are you doing and how do you live in harmony? I, it seems like you're living in a lot of harmony. And this was his answer. He basically said, our states of mind and heart are connected. And I'll come back to that in a little while to explore that because I think that's not just metaphor. That I think there's, there are actually ways when, uh, when there's a development of presence and mindfulness uh, in, with another. And again, it doesn't have to at all be uh, an intimate other or a partner. I think it can be a co-worker. When there's uh, that connection, as it were, there can be, uh, uh, I think at higher de- levels of development, there can be a very clear sense of the self, of my experience. There can be a clear and empathic sense of the other. And there also can be what sometimes is called the third body, which is the body of the connection, which can be a kind of experience as a kind of field. And I think I'm sure many of us know that, and I'll, I'll come back to that. But I think that's what Anuruddha was pointing to. And so last time... I talked about some of the resources which, uh, if we want to do relationship as spiritual practice 101, which, how many want to do that? Most of us do. (laughs) And if we want to do that, then we can take some of the basics from Buddhist tradition as a starting point. It's not like we have to invent things newly. And I mentioned last time six qualities, which would be if you want to go on the journey of You know, relationship is practice. Here's your checklist for the journey, what to take along. Really, what to take along in terms of abilities or competences. And they're they're all qualities that we develop on an everyday basis. And the first I mentioned was mindfulness. That that to really uh, be in relationships, we have to have the ability to be mindful. And I, I talked also about how, in some ways, there, there are new qualities of mindfulness that are called forth by being in relationship, and particularly what I think is a fairly developed ability to actually have consciousness of both the inner and the outer at the same time. This is not easy, and, and really takes some foundation in mindfulness. So this continual training in mindfulness is really crucial for that journey. And I'll talk more about the inner and the outer uh, in a little while. The second that I talked about was, was a quality of inquiry, which is really a quality of curiosity, of really wanting to explore what's there, what makes it possible, to really be interested, you know, and look at one's experience, you know, when we go out later in the day and we're interacting, really to inquire, what did I just do? <laughs> what was that? What's going on? Why am I so ticked off? Why is she so ticked off? What's going on? And, and so forth. Why is she so happy? What is, you know, what it, you know, and have this, really this interest in seeing what's there, which is really behind the spirit of mindfulness as well. The third 
ability or competence I mentioned last time was some uh, quality of an open heart, which in our practice we developed through the loving-kindness practice, to have the ability to connect both with oneself and with others, uh, we might say empathically or with an open heart, is a, is a great resource and an important resource. And again, all of these, in a way, are natural tendencies that we all have anyway. And when we do meditation, we cultivate them a little bit further. So mindfulness is something that we, that, that's very natural in daily life. It's actually to pay attention, to notice, to look carefully. When we do meditation, we develop that ability to a little more refined level. The same thing with inquiry, the same thing with the heart practices, that we can, can do those practices. The fourth, uh, the fourth ability that's really important for working with relationships as practice is to be able to work with intention. It's to be able, the hardest thing about doing this in, real, in daily life is to remember to do it. It's to remember to be mindful, to remember to inquire. We get wrapped up in our lives, right? We get really busy, you know. We get totally consumed with our to-do list. I often say to myself, and I think it's partly true for myself but for others, that many of us would rather complete our to-do list than achieve love and understanding and enlightenment. Is anyone, is that, is that true of anyone just a little bit? <laughs> Maybe j- just me. <laughs> so, um, but we get wrapped up in things, and so this ability to remember, to, to work with intention, to maybe, you know, done in small ways, just in the morning, maybe we sit for half an hour, and then we set an intention for the day, and maybe we come back to that a few times. You know, I, I, one of my favorite techniques, if I'm ever at meetings, is to go to the bathroom and remember my intentions, and then I come back to the meeting and it looks the same, but it's a little different. <laughs> you know, cause, and you know, there's this socially acceptable way of going for a timeout and going to the bathroom. Even if you go a lot, people are socially awkward to ask if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're doing that. So I encourage that technique as part of, this, um, part of this checklist. And the fifth, very important also, again, I'm, I'm really condensing this, and we could, if we were doing a you know, we could do a year-long training in relationship with spiritual practice, and we could do a week, you know, a day, two days on each of these. So I'm giving about three minutes. Um, and so the, the fifth is, is ethics, and particularly right speech, which, again, we, focused, we have focused on a lot these Wednesday mornings. But it's that holding that we can't really explore very easily, especially at first, if we don't feel safe in some way. And I, I like to think of ethics, which in Buddhist practice uh, is particularly about non-harming. It's particularly about a kind of not harming oneself and being, as it were, safe for others, that they can know that we won't really harm them, that we really have this commitment to being ethical, to being kind, to helping, you know. Admitting that we sometimes make mistakes, and, and lose it for a little bit, but this 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 uh, commitment to ethics is really crucial, and it's really, I think, the container for all inner work and for all uh, deep work. It really helps to have that. 
And with speech particularly, when we're in relationship, the, these guidelines for speech, which we sometimes focus on here, the, the guidelines of being truthful, being helpful, having warmth or kindness, and having some, um, some sense of good timing. And I, I remember the Buddha talked a lot about good timing in speaking. You wouldn't think of that. You'd, just, you'd think he would just talk about love and openness and awakeness, but he talked about good timing a lot. And actually, was very you know that has to do with really being skillful. So ethics, including uh, how we are with speech, very very crucial. And then the last that I mentioned was the quality of wisdom. It's remembering, it's really remembering the basic wisdom te- uh, teachings, which are about the reality of suffering and the causes of suffering, and then the possibility of finding a deep peace and and what leads to that. So that's a lot, isn't it, really? That, that's a lot. You know, I say, okay, these are the prerequisites for the journey. <laughs> and in a way, maybe we, we, um, we each keep um, working on all of those as we, as we cultivate our relationships more as a field of practice. So probably the right metaphor is not that we uh, go to the garage and give the mechanic the checklist of these six qualities and we get our car all developed so that we... We're off for the journey with our, our, as it were, our automobile having all of these six qualities of mindfulness and inquiry and so forth. But it's probably more like we actually are driving our car and we're, we're repairing our car as we're driving, if you can imagine that as a metaphor. So you're kind of, it's a little bit like that, isn't it? <laughs> we're kind of driving down the road and something goes wrong with, you know, I don't know the tires a little bit leaking and maybe we stop and we we um, give some air to the tire or you know we um, something go maybe maybe something goes wrong and we actually stop and we find a mechanic and we fix it but sometimes we're just driving down the road and something's going wrong with the car and we can't stop moving we got to fix it as we're moving a little more challenging right is that which of those sounds more like your life <coughs> More like the car going down the road and fixing it in process, maybe maybe something like that. So, wanted just to say a little bit more, sort of take a few more steps from where we are, and talk about some of the uh, the qualities uh, more directly of taking relationship as practice. And I particularly want to talk about uh, cultivating inner attention when there we are outwardly acting. I want to talk about giving outer attention at the same time. And then I want to talk about the, as it were, the, the field of the relationship. So in a, in a sense, we could say that this is talking about me or I, you, and we. Sort of three steps that we have to really be grounded in the ability to be present to ourselves an ability to be present to another, and then an ability to tune in to the field of the we or the, the relationship itself. And that's, that's what I'll talk about the rest of the time, those three, three aspects. And so for, for the first, it's, and I should back up and say that for many of us, we are still learning how to be ourselves. 
we are still learning how to be empathic with others and be able to relate to others. And we're still learning, most of us, what it means to uh, connect and tune into the field of the relationship itself. But these are not, we can't just assume this as given to the extent that we have uh, wounds or parts in our lives where we're scared to relate to others or scared to look at this part of ourselves. All of these three pieces are going to be difficult. And we all, in a sense, are probably working on each of those as we develop. And so if we were fully able to connect with ourselves, accept ourselves and be ourselves, fully able to be empathic with others, connect with others, be open to others, and then fully able to open to the field of the relationship, we probably would have done a tremendous amount of inner and outer work, right? Because we can't, we can't presume that. But it's something that we keep on doing. And to the extent sometimes, and I think we all know this, sometimes to the extent that there are, let's say, wounds that we haven't resolved in ourselves, it's sometimes hard to relate to ourselves, to others, and to have uh, the, the greatest uh, or the greater depth in relationship. Does that make some sense? So we all know that. That's sort of, again, I'm condensing some things, and we can come back to that. So it's kind of ongoing work. And so we, we first cultivate the ability to be with ourselves, to, to know what's present uh, in our own experience as we're with another. And this for sometimes is a challenge that, again, many of us are almost conditioned when we're with another just to go outward, right? Just to be outward and to lose track of ourselves. You know, there's certain conditioning about that. So part of the training would be, can I be with another and still really be with myself? Can I have that sense of autonomy at the same time that I have a sense of connection? And this is, this is actually quite, uh, quite challenging. And I know in my own experience, sometimes, you know, and I especially have seen this in intimate relationships, that sometimes there's such a longing to connect that I'm willing to give up myself. That's very common. You know, we sometimes call that merging. You know, where we merge with another, there's beauty, there's connection, but in a way I've given up myself. And most relationships have to negotiate that sense of how do we keep autonomy and also have connection. So there's a lot, there's a lot there. And so this ongoing, so just to the extent that we can actually be in an encounter with someone at work and keep both a sense of self and also relate to other, we are cultivating that, connect that ability to have both autonomy and connection at the same time. And we'll do an exercise in a while, which I hope will make some of this quite, quite concrete. So we have to have that ability to really notice ourselves. And then we also can have to be able to really notice the other. I think there's a kind of uh, outer mindfulness that we can develop, which is very interesting, which is actually, uh, some people call it a kind of tracking of the other. I think there are actually two aspects of it. One is to actually notice what's going on with the other more externally, and the other is to notice what's happening with the other more uh, internally, more empathically. You know, so... um, so, for example, we, I can notice, I can be with another person, and I can learn to be 
aware, more aware of just the different, uh, almost the different dimensions of this person happening at the same time. I can notice, for example, on the bodily level, I can notice gestures, facial expressions, the way the body is. I can notice the emotional tone. I can notice what the content of the words are if we're speaking. I can also tune into the energetic presence. Most of us actually are good at some of these and not good at others. You know, I know I was conditioned partly as a man just to tune into the, this content and be almost oblivious to everything else. <laughs> Anyone relate to that? It's not just men. <laughs> you know. and, and so it's actually, I think, part of the training that we do to actually notice people and notice these other dimensions. I think our culture generally tunes in more to the cognitive and to the storyline and doesn't notice these other dimensions. And so just to be with another, I know when um, I've worked with some people who, we, and we've done training in this, we would actually just sit there, and we, this would be a longer training where you might take a whole day and just train in the ability to track another person. You know, and I remember we, we, part of our training to do this was to watch uh, television programs where the sound was turned off. I remember one of the videos we watched was watching uh, Condoleezza Rice testify before the 9-11 Commission. <laughs> and we had the sound turned off. And, we, and we, we just tried to track what she was expressing with her body and with, you know, what we tried to say, okay, what's the, bo- what's the body saying? What's, what are the emotions saying? What's the energy saying? And it was really, you know, because mostly you listen to TV and you just tune into the words, right? She was doing that. And when you do that, it was actually pretty amazing. She was at, her whole testimony, she was going like this. <laughs> uh, opens up some interesting dimensions, right? She was just shaking her. I mean, it was really interesting. I, I never had picked up on that before. But you turn the sound off, you can notice things. So part, you know, if you want to train in this, watch some television, but turn off the sound. I'm serious. It's an interest, interesting practice. And so we can actually track that, and it's something that we could actually actually do. And we can also, in a way, be, um, be empathic with the other person. We can get a sense not just of looking at, the, at what's happening in the forms, but we can actually notice what's going on um, inside. We can get a sense of the inner, the inner content. Especially if someone's talking, we get a lot of information about the person. And so part of mindfulness of the other is to actually have some sense of empathy, some sense of the um, lived experience from the inside of the other, of the other person at the same time that it's happening. And I think, again, we, all, we do this somewhat naturally. Right? This, is not, this is not, but I think that when we can actually do some training in this, we can actually enhance these abilities. And the last thing I'll mention is that there's, there's an interesting way in which when we are actually with another there's a third, we might say, a third body forms. There's a, there is, we, we can call this a sense of uh, we consciousness. And again, we sometimes have, it's very, sometimes very hard for us to get there, to really, where we really have a sense of we. We may be with another and be primarily just with my experience, my needs, my wants, and not really be able to actually notice the other, to be empathic, that, if that's the case, it's unlikely that a we would form. We could actually say that a lot of the problems of the world is because that we consciousness doesn't form 
I would say it's the basis for justice and the basis for actually um, connection developing in the world. And yet, uh, in many cases, that can't happen or it can't happen with certain people. We do it with some people but not with others because they are not worthy, we might we think, of receiving that kind of empathy or connection. And so there's something in... in in the Zen text that I love, uh, by a Zen teacher named Hongzi, he says that to be with another, there are really two qualities, and they're, they're similar to what I just mentioned. He said there's the vividness of the being before us, and he thought this could be done with plants or animals, not just people. There's the vividness of what's right before us when we encounter someone. And then there's also, he said, the field of shining spirit which is, I would say, that's the we. There's this field of shining spirit and something actually that we can, can tune into sometimes when we're with another. And it actually, and we'll do, in a moment we'll do this, and it can really change, change things. <coughs> and it can really be a different uh, basis for uh, relating. There, were, there, was, um, there was a woman who went to a workshop where some of these techniques were taught where it was taught how to really have this sense of oneself radiating outward to, uh, to connect with another. And again, it doesn't, doesn't have to be romantic or erotic, just can be very ordinary. And she said that she really was so inspired by this, and then she left the workshop, and she was in a hurry, and she was a speeding, and she got stopped by a policeman. <laughs> and she said... I am just going to continue this sense of creating the we, the bubble, this bubble, <laughs> this radiating bubble with the policeman. And she said she had one of the most remarkable conversations she ever had. They ended up talking for half an hour. She was just, and they talk, talked about community and passion and spirituality and so forth. And, um, and, and she was asked, you know, uh, and did you get the ticket? And she said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was actually speeding, and it was right for me to get the ticket, but I still had a, one of the most remarkable conversations of my life. You know? So it's interesting, isn't it? You know, it's, and it was just because her awareness was, was not just going on my, you know, how can I get out of this, what should I say, how can I be strategic, but it was actually wanting to connect in this larger field and actually do this in a very ordinary way, but just her intention was different. So let's do, let's do a practice... Together, and what I'd like to do first is just to um, ask each of us to do for about a minute or so a reflection. Uh, I'm going to ask a question. And the question is. What makes it, last time we focused on where we'd like to develop, this time I'd like to focus on what makes it difficult for you to take your relationships as practice, to have these qualities of mindfulness and empathy. What makes that difficult? It doesn't have to be one thing. There could be a lot of things.
And I'd like you to find a partner and sit, your, sit yourself in proximity so that in a moment you could begin uh, talking. But I'm going to give instructions first. So for right now, just find a person. And raise your hand if you don't have anyone. There's someone over here. There are two people there. So introduce yourself and... So here are are the instructions. I guess I was meaning brief introductions. (laughs) So, here here are the instructions. Each person will have a chance to to, uh, speak for about four minutes each. We'll do one person four minutes, another person four minutes, and then we'll have about four minutes to talk together about what it was like. And what I'd like you to do is to um, give attention... There are really two things I'd like you to do. The, the content for each of the persons will be just to talk about, as, with as much, revealing as much as you choose to, about what's difficult for you to take relationship as practice, just what we reflected on. That'll be the content. So in each, um, in each group, decide right now who's going to go first. Okay. Person going first, raise your hand. Okay, so here's the, and if, if, if you want to do it with me, maybe one of you, that could, could help, you could, could bring your chair up here. Okay. And so, you know who's going first, here are the instructions. I'd like, as much as possible, both of you, to try to keep some attention to the inner, <clears throat> some attention to the outer, to the other person. And also this time, periodically check into the sense of the field of the connection. Kind of tune into that using mindfulness. And if you want to just stop halfway through and say, let me tune in to this, the field, that's fine. Is that that pretty clear? Then we'll switch and come back. Is it, any, any questions about the instructions? Yeah. What? Same, say it one more time. Okay. The, the person speaking first, the content will be to talk just about what's challenging or difficult about taking relationship as practice. That's the content. The, what I'd also like you to do is to keep some attention, even if you're speaking, try to keep some attention inwardly, some attention outwardly. The person listening also would both listen and try to keep aware of the impact of what's being said on yourself. You don't have to say anything. You can go, uh-huh, and nod and so forth. There's really no performance demanded. <laughs> and then also, once or twice, maybe just tune in to the field between you. You're not particularly trying to find anything, but just bring your awareness and, and see, let me tune in to what's there just with us. Is that clear enough? And we'll, and we'll come back, we'll have a chance to compare notes and then come back together. 
Okay. So let's, first of all, just uh, take about 30 seconds to set your intention for what you're going to do, and then I'll ring a bell. That'll, after that, we can start. But just to, set, just to kind of get your intention set for connecting the inner and the outer and for checking into the whole field together. So about 30 more seconds. Remember to tune in to the field if you haven't done that. Still for the first person, yeah. can finish, if the first person can finish up, and we're about to move to the second person, you can thank your partner. And now let's shift to the second person, a speaker. So again, the content is what's challenging, 
to have relationship as spiritual practice or whatever language works better for you around that theme. And again, to have some inner and outer attention on both parties. And then once or twice, if you can, to tune into what the whole field is like. And so let's, again, we'll set our intention and I'll ring a bell in maybe 20, 30 seconds. So, 
about 30 seconds more, and remember to tune in to notice the field. So you can thank your partner. And now, <laughs> the third part. I'd like you to actually just talk informally with each other. This will be a little shorter, maybe three minutes or so. Just talk informally with each other about what you may have discovered, particularly uh, less about the content than more about the process. What did you notice about the, either about the field or about uh, how was it to try to connect the inner and the outer at the same time? Anything that you noticed that, that you want to share? And this is informal, not one at a time, just together. And, but I'd like you also, as you do this, to try to keep inner and outer awareness also. In other words, this isn't back to normal automatic behavior, right? This is trying to really keep that going in more informal conversation. You get it? Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's again set intentions, about 20 seconds, just to set your intention. And then I'll ring the bell to start. Okay. Humans, we have a lot of, a lot of 
problem now, probably cultural and so towards the individual to come back and connect to the whole. About 30 seconds more. So let's finish and come back to the whole group. So let's come back to the whole group. Um, you can move your chairs back. So how was that? Interesting, isn't it? Um, how many people were able to keep some sense of inner and outer at the same time? Yeah, almost, it seems like almost everyone. How many people were able to have that sense of the field of the something different than me or you, something more like a we or a, a field? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Anyone else want to report what you found? Please, yeah. You have a little bit of history. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I mean, so so you actually the almost like as it were the bubble between you, long history of that, pretty established. Didn't have to work on that. So you could actually go out further, right, and connect with the whole hall and. Maybe even go up the hills and <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's really kind of a model for um, having a, a much broader consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Thank you. And remind me of your name. So you're you're both minding and reminding. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, Dwight. Others like to share? What did you find? What was interesting? Yeah, please, Carrie. Uh, I found for me that not getting sucked away by the other person mm. was a challenge. The maintaining mm-hmm. inner attention because the desire to connect and get to the link yeah. is so strong yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. How many people can relate to that? Yeah. Yeah, that's... So it's a big one, isn't it? It's like, how can I keep that grounding in myself while listening to another? You know, and so that could be, for those of us for whom this is an edge, it could actually be something that you focus on in the next week, like just on that issue. 
how can I, when I'm talking with people, just keep a groundedness in myself using, using mindfulness? You know, and it's not easy, right? But it's, uh, so this is both uh, a training, but it also shows us, it's, uh, as it were, shows us some of our tendencies. In that sense, it's very much like what we find in solitary mindfulness practice. Yeah, yeah. Others, please. When we're sitting in this room all facing you, yeah. it's kind of like you're the hub, yeah. and we're not really connected with each other. But during that time, yeah. I did feel that we're all doing the same thing. Somehow yeah. it made it more um, connected with everyone in the room. Yeah, me. you felt that too. It's interesting in terms of relationship, because I came here this morning thinking, um, for some reason in my family, um, it's always been that I'm the hub. And everyone relates with me mm. much, much more than I relate with each other. Mm. And this is literally set up with a piece of a wheel and maybe I should talk mm-hmm. about that whole idea of connecting and we're all doing the same thing once not to me. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's actually um, yeah, I think my preference would be to have a circle. This it's a bit of a setup here, isn't it? <laughs> I mean this platform. Uh, yeah, so in- interesting comments. Uh, thanks. Others, please. But some some ability to, but also you were able to both be with your your other person in your dyad and and go out further. Yeah, really. Yeah, please, Marty. I just uh, came up with this analogy. Uh, when I'm talking, it's hard to keep an inner a sense of what's going on with me yeah. internally. I feel more protected, less vulnerable when I'm the listener. Yeah. And I've always been tended to be a listener. Mm-hmm. So when I find myself out there talking, I feel a little bit like one of those cartoon characters who mm-hmm. walks off the cliff and suddenly realizes that <laughs> there's no ground under there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm a little bit ungrounded mm-hmm. sometimes, and, and so it keeps the words keep going, and I don't mm-hmm. always know what I'm saying, and it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so, 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 sorry, you were going to say. So, uh, so anyway, I I was actually talking with a colleague, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know we we work we do the same kind of work, and it's um, but it was still. Mm-hmm. And, and so where would you where would you like if you were to explore that further in the next week how would you take how would you explore that um, I would try to take stops and check in with myself mm. so it's similar to Carrie's point really isn't it it's that without without keeping that grounding in oneself one can lose touch with oneself or can Walk off a cliff. <laughs> Sometimes, you know. Be aware of, of vulnerability. Yeah. Even check in with the other yeah. Yeah. So it could be something that you, you know, again, it, uh, one simple practice to work with this might be just to have that intention at the beginning of the day. Just I am going to, in the communication, I will, I will try to keep grounded in myself, and that could be something which, doing it over time, could be very transformative. 
Let's take maybe one or two more, and I wanna, I'm going a little bit over time because I could go another hour or two on this. I don't have enough time. <laughs> yeah, please, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of us probably here have that nice experience, but I'm wondering how different it would I'm thinking of people with whom I sort of automatically or historically do not have a positive field between us. Yeah. And I wonder how I would deal with the that situation. But I think just awareness would yeah. be Yeah, that's maybe Maybe that's next time or the time after, <laughs> but it's 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 an interesting one because probably for most of us there weren't a lot of obstacles to some ready uh, communication here. What happens when there is some history that makes that you know as it were there are uh, obstacles in the path or histories that haven't been worked through? You know the coworker who with whom you haven't really been honest for about three years. <laughs> or something like that. How do you work with that? And so um, in the long run, you know, I, th- I think there are quite a few possibilities. The best possibility is that both of you are open to good communication and you work at it and you try to cultivate the conditions for actually, clear, as it were, clearing the field. Not always, that's sometimes possible, not always possible. What do you do if the other person's not interested and you are? Or you want to clear your part of the field? So you can do that. You can work on that, and you can try to um, keep grounded. You know, it, it's actually a really big topic, but one one aspect of it, I think, would be to really be aware of how the extent to which the history um, keeps you in a certain pattern. You know, and to really notice that, study that, because I think, and then over time, it's possible to release from that pattern. And so you can, as it were, you can basically have unilateral disarmament (laughs) (laughs) and still take care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, Maybe one more, if there is, and this will be the last one. Yeah. Mm <laughs> really a lot and I was reflecting how even though I like to think that um, you know I'm Mr. Checking in with myself kind of stuff you know putting my daily energy yeah. so there is a, certainly a, you know a lot of uh, suppression of that going on yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so if you had to take that exploration for the next week, how, what would you do? Well, there will be a lot of twitching. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going up to see my son, and there's some really volatile stuff going on. Yeah. And fortunately, I think I'll be able to just twitch with him. <laughs> is, he, is he a twitcher also? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's really, to give, it's really to give space for what needs to happen. Yeah. You know, and to take care that it's as much as possible not misinterpreted. <laughs> so, 
So, but it's really making the space for what's there. And sometimes what's there doesn't fit our image or... So it's interesting. This is, again, you can see, and maybe last last comment will be, there's a lot that actually turns up, obviously, in the interpersonal field that doesn't always turn up when we do meditation. Interesting, you know, that we can... And this is some... I've known people who were monks for 10 years, and they then when it you know, stopped being monks and got married and went into a relationship and said, hmm, there's a lot we didn't learn here in the monastery. <laughs> there are, uh, parts, parts of the self that were not really known. So it's really, that's, that's where the inquiry and the curiosity and I think most deeply cultivating that sense of self-acceptance. So what I'll invite us to do, how many would like to explore kind of your own way of working with this in the next week? And then we can come back next week and compare notes. And so maybe let's just finish the last 30 seconds by just uh, tuning into yourself. Tune into yourself what you might do in the next week, your intention. For taking this practice outward for the next week. So knowing that we, we explore, we practice, not just for ourselves, but for others. We dedicate the fruits, the value of the morning, to the benefit, the awakening of all beings. Thank you for your attention and uh, for your... Um, your honesty and, and uh, depth. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.